love you. Gentlefolk, ladies and men, we're glad to have you here again. So please won't you come on in and sit with us on the couch. I'm the Green Traveler from Gorsh. And I'm the faceless Leon. Oh, Ain't yeah. got no face or a home, but this is Green but. Faces on <laughs> the couch. <laughs> we talk about movies and TV here. And, uh, oh, we're going to sing the whole fucking episode. The like whole you episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd probably get really annoying. <laughs> I'm also not, like not great at singing. Like I could hold, I could like, yeah, I could hold a tune for a tiny, you know, five seconds. <laughs> uh, you know, I did a lot of singing in high school, and uh, any uh, like technical sense has gone out the scent window. It's gone. Now. Oh yeah, like, I have no fucking knowledge about singing. <laughs> yeah, never taken a class in my life. It's gone. I tried. I tried once for a thing r- real quick, and then I was like, no, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but someday you will star in one of these two musical horror comedies. Yes. <laughs> Genre oh, Smackdown. Genre Smackdown, baby girl. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it is a horror comedy musical. Very niche genre there. Yes. Horror horror comedy. In fact, so niche that like we're talking one of my all-time favorite films. So it's a little biased already. I'm sorry. Uh, But we're talking that. And we're pinning it against a film that I'd surprisingly never heard of. Really? Okay. Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) You say it like you're just like, really? You've never heard of this? Never heard of it. (laughs) Well, like it really, it really surprises me too that I never heard of it because it's directed and written by Brian De Palma, and I like Brian De Palma. He did the Scarface remake. He did Mission Impossible. uh, Stephen King's Carrie, the the you know the first first one, like The Untouchables. He did The Untouchables, I think. That might be thinking of the wrong director, but I think he did The Untouchables. It's like a very prolific director that like I totally watched all of his films, mm-hmm. you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s. <laughs> like I fucking like ate this guy's filmography up and I just can't believe I never heard of Phantom of the Paradise. There's also just some fantastic characters in this movie. I Man. I really enjoy uh, William <clears throat> Finley as Winslow slash the Phantom and yeah. Paul Williams. I've I've listened to some Paul Williams music for I don't know years, never knowing about this. And right. one of the songs I listen to a lot is the the end credit song. <laughs> <laughs> like I listen to it quite often. Yeah. Uh, he plays the villain. Swan, which is kind of kind of a giveaway, maybe because maybe if you have never seen this movie, you might think the Phantom's the villain, right? But, uh, it's, a, it's a unique I, take on that story. Yeah, I think I, so it's too. it's a unique take on many stories. You know, it's it's Phantom of the Opera, it's Faust. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like there was another one I remembered. Uh, oh, it's it's uh, very slightly Oscar Wilde's picture of Dorian Gray. There's a bit of that yes. in there too. Yes, there's a bit of that in there too. Yes, yeah. So it's it's you know it's uh, that one might be a bit of <laughs> man. I, I well, feel like it, start... that's really deep in there, and you know what? By that's the true. time they actually get around to watching it, because we recommend it, they'd probably forgotten. 
This one was really kind of hard for me to get into. Like I, really? I we we talked about it a little bit. We have you, you and I off off mic. I agree with you when we were talking that I liked the music when I heard it. But after it was done, I don't remember the songs. I right. really don't. Um, I would have to I, listen to the soundtrack like four or five times before like any of them stuck. I feel well, like. Well, I listened to it today. And oh, nice. uh, because I remember that I did really like it, but you said, man, I'm not really like remembering any of the tunes. So yeah. I listened to it and man, just listening to it, it's so good. Like there mm. is some really good storytelling in it. Um, yeah, that's the, the words and music are by Paul Williams. So, right, right. Uh, I, I mean, that's probably why I like it because I already listened to some of his music. I yeah, don't know anything fair. about him personally. I just know that <laughs> I listen yeah. to some of his music. <laughs> I didn't really he, – he was one of those names that's like I didn't know like off the top of my head. You could say Paul Williams before this film and I was like, uh, maybe I know it. I don't right. – you know, I, I, I can't think of him off the top of my head. But when I listen to his music, it's like, oh, yeah, I definitely have heard Paul Williams. Yeah, of course. And, yeah. and I really do like the idea that you know you don't typically see the songwriter playing a character. Right. Yeah. In, a, in an adaptation of this. So, like, I really like that he was just like, no, this is how it is. This uh -huh. is how we're going to do it. Like, that's pretty cool. I really, I really enjoy his involvement. <clears throat> I and he too. makes a really, he makes a really creepy villain too, which is yes. a lot of fun. There's this strangeness to it. And he's, I would say, pretty decent actor. It kind of honestly reminds me of when David Bowie's and stuff. Yeah, a little honestly. bit. A little but bit. Be, also, they had very similar hair at some <laughs> certain points. <laughs> right there's a line in the there's a line in the movie where one person like I, I can't remember exactly what's going on in this scene but one character says nobody cares about the fucking lyrics you know nobody listens to the lyrics they like the music they like the tune they like the you know the 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 feel of the song and i agree right. with that i i don't really agree with that because i do like progressive rock that you know rush is my all-time favorite band and it's all in the fucking lyrics there you right. know neil peer neil peer is a goddamn poet and I want to re-listen to the soundtrack and listen specifically to the lyrics and everything, but watching it all performed, like watching stuff happen while right. these, this music's going on, I really just didn't get into it. I it wasn't pulling me in. What the problem was, and I think they were just trying this, you know, uh, it mm. was just an idea someone had and they decided to use it for the entirety of the film. Nobody just randomly breaks out into song in right. this movie. It is either a planned performance that happens or right. it is uh, Winslow in the middle of writing because mm -hmm. he's he is the writer of the music that's being used. Is there also background songs too? Yes, like there's when, a couple of background songs that Paul Williams sings. That's the yeah. only time. He never sings while he is on screen. Mm -hmm. But I did want to mention that the character you were talking about was Philbin, played by George Mimoli. Thank you. And yeah, I really liked him. <laughs> yeah, I did really like him. He also gets to play a priest, but as the same as Philbin. He is Swan's, like, go-to man. He does whatever right. he wants. Uh, he's he's a hinge person. <laughs> And can I can I say uh, we have a friend? I don't want to say his name on the podcast, right. but yeah, I think you know who. Yeah. 
I think I you immediately know who I'm thinking of. Because if we were ever going to remake this, I I know who I'm casting as Philbin. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just perfect for that role. <laughs> uh, there's this one point, and I think it's, like, in that same conversation where he's like, nobody gives a shit about the lyrics. Or, like, because what Winslow has done with, has written a, a rock cantata. Right. And... He wants Swan, a big producer, to listen to it, but Swan just wants one one part of it, one song of it. And Winslow's like, no, that's not how it works. And that's when Philbin's like, nobody fucking cares. They just, if it, the tune sounds good, they want the tune. And yeah, exactly. that's, I think, when Winslow's temper breaks and he shoves Philbin up against the wall. And I think that is the moment where I felt like this particular person you're talking about would have done good in that part. It's like, hey, hey, right. man. You got <laughs> He's like, some temper there. Just like moments after he was being the aggressor. It's like, hey. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the scene where I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I wanted to text him and be like, do you know this fucking movie? Because I know that if I ever remake this, you're in this movie. <laughs> you are this character. Uh, he, uh, I miss him. but I do miss that person. With with this film, I really like Philbin, uh, his involvement in it. Because he's very much kind of like a background character, but he is so utilized really well. And I don't remember where I was going with that. But uh, it was with his involvement with William Finley's character. Because his character just... He gets robbed. He you know, does. And yeah. The, the the whole point of the story is that Swan just straight up steals Winslow's music. Exactly. And and in trying to get his revenge, he is practically erased from existence. You know, right. Swan does everything he can to make... What's William Finley's character's name? Uh, Winslow leech winslow right right winslow leech he is just basically erased you know his character people think he's dead uh when the story come or when the song comes out uh, i don't even know if they give him credit when the when the song is about to be sung on the radio by swan's like famous band the 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 juicy fruits that was their name <laughs> juicy fruits yeah like what a except, stupid name except they had changed their name to something up like equally stupid uh right before they produced his song on the radio which is like what really pissed him off because he didn't want the juicy fruits to sing it he didn't think they were at all capable for that song and that's when he goes for his revenge that's when he gets erased basically and when he becomes the phantom when he yeah. when he goes to the swan's paradise theater and just haunts it like you know the phantom of the opera haunts the opera house and you know, I just read th – this is more based on the novel rather than the Broadway play of The Phantom of the Opera. And I just read that novel by Gaston Leroux. And I really enjoyed the aspects of that that they took for this. Because, like, I, I, you know, in, in that book, you know, The Phantom is very much kind of the villain. Okay. He, right. is, he is doing a lot of bad things. He's, he, he's uh, influencing Christine Day or Daae. I've never been able to pronounce her name right. But, but here – the Phantom is just the misunderstood. He he is kind of villainous, more prankster-ish, really. But the villain is very much Swan and what Swan is doing oh, to manipulate all these you, characters. Okay, you said more prankster-ish. Prankster and I don't know, man. He straight up kills people. <laughs> that is true. But at the beginning, it's when it starts off, it's very much kind of 
because wasn't his first thing very pranksterish, or was his first thing the explosion, the the bomb in the car? Uh, as the Phantom, well, no, he did something. Yeah, he did do something before he got his like his face all fucked up. Uh, because yeah, like he ran they, through the 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 record store and was like destroying all the records, like or something. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. It does like progress and like it's so weird sometimes so when he's the phantom he also doesn't have a voice anymore right he eventually gets this like box on his chest that helps him have a computerized yeah, swan voice. swan helps him communicate when he realizes that he can like sleek money off of this guy right he's like so basically swan feels like okay if this guy's gonna keep on causing trouble i gotta get him on my side and he's right. just like such a fucking warlock. His charisma is yeah. like a bazillion and he can get people to sign contracts for anything. And that's where and it's it, a lot oh. like Faust. And, and honestly, I'm not very familiar with Faust. I was right. more familiar with the other aspects of this story. And so the Faust part was, you know, very nice for me because that was, it, it's not fresh because a lot of people, you know, right, use right. Faust for their storytelling. But it was nice how it was It was very much focused more on Faust than on other aspects that I knew. Because it still felt more fresh and more uh, enthralling for me because I was, still, I was still interested in where the story was going. Right. I still wanted to know. I was still uh, definitely watching this movie. But it just, for whatever reason, I wasn't meshing with it on first watch. Mm. I, I think I will like it more on secondary watches because they do some super weird editing stuff. Like, yeah, that that's the one thing that was really throwing me. Like, there was a lot of times where they were doing two scenes at the same time. Like mm -hmm. they, they and then they would like meet up and uh, or something, it, which was an interesting concept. I just think it's hard on the viewer. Specifically, I've already mentioned the the bomb in the car. So that's one of those scenes where you take a split screen viewpoint of this one scene. You know, you have a you have one one side of the screen we're following the singers and everybody, and then the other side of the screen we're following the car where the bomb was placed, and like it, as everything drifts across the stage, and then slowly everything meets up, and we're we're in one scene where you know the the bomb in the car explodes, and it, it's interesting take, but it was kind of jarring. It was hard to watch when you when you're not expecting it. So I do, I do think on secondary watches it'll be a little easier to handle some of the right, weird editing right. choices in this. <laughs> some of it is an acquired taste. I will definitely say that. Mm -hmm. But I but, think I did enjoy it overall. I so what what are you gonna say? Go ahead. I, I was just gonna go back to the the charisma because you're talking about how his charisma mm -hmm. was so high. That was that was one aspect that really just kept pissing me off was how much people kept trusting this guy. Right. Like, I get it. Like, he does have good charisma, and he is very charming when he wants to be. But Winslow, when he signs his contract, I'm screaming at the screen like, are you fucking serious? Yeah. He literally drove you to the point of almost non-existence. Right. And he you're has... just like, okay, maybe he's changed his ways. And, like, he doesn't trust – he doesn't trust No, he doesn't Swan trust him. at all. He trusts him enough but... to not read the whole goddamn thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's that's where I'm at with it. It's just like I know that he still is holding this man at arm's length. That he doesn't like this man. That he doesn't trust this man. 
And yet, he still, like, reads some of the contract, and he's just like, what does that mean? And Swan's like, oh, well, it clearly means this thing it obviously doesn't mean. Mm, And he's like, oh, okay. And he just goes to another page. He he misses, like, 50 pages and just flips to the next page. And it's like, oh, my. It just kept pissing me off. I'm like, how are you this stupid? Well, it takes (laughs) him a while to really introduce the, I'll say, supernatural aspect um yeah that's yeah. pretty late in the movie but i will say that that's part of this i don't want to give too much away right i had spoiled it for myself because when i had done my little bit of research right. i saw like what this bo- movie was influenced by and was expecting that right. kind of a a, a little right. twist to be pushed into it and when it happens it was still jarring it was still very weird like that was this that was this whole film was like it just kept poking me in odd places that I wasn't expecting it to. Right. And I wasn't quite okay with it doing so. Right. But I'll have to say, the first time I watched it, the the other movie we're going to talk about, I did have those feels. But oh. For, I did for not. Other, for other reasons, because of, of my strict upbringing, I'll say. That's fair. That's fair. Yes. I was going to say, when I, when I first watched the other movie we're going to talk about, which is Rocky Horror Picture Show because we've already put it up in the title. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I first watched that, I was over the fucking moon about it. Oh, I watched it two times I, in a row. <laughs> I loved it. I It's just as I was watching it, because I had no idea yeah. any, any of it. So while I was watching it, and then I just saw how much of a good time everybody was having, and I was like, this is great. Yeah. like I My first time was an audience participation time. That's awesome. (laughs) I guess we'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah. And with with Phantom of the Paradise, I think I would have liked it better if I watched it with people. Because it's, you know, watching on my couch alone, watching Rocky Horror by myself, I can still enjoy the fuck out of that. I can dance. I can have fun. Mm -hmm. Watching Phantom of the uh, the Paradise for the first time, I was trying to pay attention. I was trying to, you know, focus on what was going on. It's a, again, it's a comedic film. But the comedy is presented very weirdly. It's very kind of right. just on the it's on the nose, but not not apparent. I guess you know it's very dulled comedy. It's kind of there's a lot of I would say maybe dry would would apply a, a little bit, a, a little bit. Like it doesn't it doesn't. I don't know. Whenever I think dry, I also think witty, and there's not much wit in this. Maybe austere. <laughs> sure. <laughs> go with austere i like that <laughs> it's just it's, it's all around weird like i don't yeah yeah I, I definitely need more viewings to to appreciate it you want to do closing statements then uh wait we yeah. didn't talk about phoenix we gotta talk about phoenix phoenix is awesome oh yeah that's true uh, i i love jessica harper in this as this character uh mm-hmm. because it, there is like one aspect that I don't really like, and that's because at the beginning of the film, she was very, very strong in her opinion that she didn't want to do certain things to get singing position. Yeah. And, and all the other uh, women were. And then later, she's willing to do anything for Swan because he says he'll make her, you know, a star. Yeah. But I think that's also everything to do with swan and not to do with phoenix yeah that is a very interesting underlying <laughs> aspect of this film we didn't get into is the how they utilize how they use women in the business 
Right. Uh, they, you know, disrespect them and abuse them. You a know, lot of that. Exactly. It's definitely commentary, like, like direct commentary about the industry. Yeah. For sure. And, and I did, I did appreciate that aspect of the story. And I thought it was interesting that, you know, they have this very poignant scene up front where she is like, no, I am not doing this. And she storms out, like you said. Right. And then in like the very next scene, Winslow is there <laughs> dressed up as a woman doing <laughs> yeah. just that, <laughs> trying to get to film it or trying to get to, uh, to Swan. Yeah. And I just, I thought that was great. Like that was a very hilarious moment. Because <laughs> she is like, you, you clearly have her saying no, and then it cuts the window like, yes. <laughs> yes, I will do this. But that is oh. because he has already been robbed. Right, and he's, exactly. He's at his wit's end. He needs he needs something to get there, to, yeah. to get him to the to place he needs to be. And I do like Phoenix. I, I agree with you, that little shifting at the end or near the, you know, in the third act. I didn't like that. Because it was like, the way they presented it is, as long as she gets to seeing, she's happy. Right. But I still liked her being a little bit more of a stronger, like, no, I'm going to sing, and that's not the kind of payment I'm going to be giving for it. Right. I think you know? if they would have made what Swan can do more apparent, mm -hmm. it would have been better. Uh, but I did... Did we talk about Suspiria last year? Oh... But I don't know. Anyway, she's the lead in that, and so that a lot of people will know her from from being Betsy, a Susie, Betsy, Susie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then she's done a whole bunch of other stuff, so people right. probably know her. I also don't think we mentioned that the uh, the Phoenix or the yeah the not the Phoenix, the Phantoms. Uh, singing voice is actually Paul Williams. It's not. Uh, it's oh, not really? William Finley. Yeah, Paul Williams did the singing voice for the the Phantom, which I thought was pretty good. Interesting. They they run it oh. through like a like a synthesizer kind of thing, just a you know because it's his voice, and they 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 have a nice little scene where you see Swan throwing up all the auto tuning and everything, trying to get the voice just yeah. right. I like that. I thought that was a lot of fun. It was. It was. He was making his own voice. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's great. <laughs> uh, so, we did not mention Garrett Graham, or Graham, sorry, but he plays Beef, and I think Beef <laughs> oh, might have been my favorite and least favorite character at the same fucking time. <laughs> I, could, I could agree with one of those. <laughs> he, was my, he was my least favorite character. Uh, I love the choices that Garrett made for him. It was what they wanted, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, it there's was... nothing wrong with the, there's nothing wrong with the character. It was just his singing. Oh. That I was like, that I was just like, God, why did you replace her with this? Like, yeah. he's, he's yeah. good. And his character is a lot of fun. It's just his, his, his style of singing. I was just like. I know. I don't know why, you, what decision, like, it, it's like when I watch a fashion, uh, a runway show or whatever, and I see all, like, the, the dresses and everything that are coming out, and all the people are like, oh, wow, look at that dress, and I'm like, that's the most horrid thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but dude, what? I don't think it's just his voice, because listening to it on the album, it, so it seems to sound way better than it did in the movie. So maybe it was, it was the and, mixing, and maybe, maybe? Maybe, yeah, maybe they, well, I, I'm saying... 
I think it's his face in the <laughs> movie because he makes the most ridiculous faces while oh, he's do. singing. Uh, uh, well, I, I enjoyed you, Garrett. Thank you. Uh, I enjoyed him. He was just my least favorite character. <laughs> Alright, what, what do but you got? Yeah, to close it, I, I really, I do, and I, I did have fun. It was a very interesting film. And I will definitely watch it again. It's going to be a few years, and I'm going to need to, like, completely forget about it, I think. But well, I think when I come back to it, I'm going to enjoy it more. Sure. But it, it, it's a it's a cult classic. I guess that's another part of the genre. Uh, <laughs> the genre smack that we could add. Cult classic horror comedy musicals. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? It still won't be our longest title. So. It still won't be. Nope. But I, I, I did still enjoy it. I do recommend it. Um, I, I'm still. I'm very shocked. I never heard about this before. But on the first viewing, I'm only gonna give it two and a half stars. That's fair. I think uh, because I, and I think a lot of critics at the time probably agreed with you. I, I didn't read them. So I don't yeah, know. there was there was a lot of uh, mixed reviews. People were denied. Either did not get it or just did not like what they got. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I liked it. It gets a face. I think maybe on subsequent viewings it might turn into a face and a half because I really enjoyed the music even though it didn't really match up. I didn't like the Beach Boy music that the Juicy Fruit was doing. Not yeah. n- like not that I hated it. Like They're decent songs. One of them's literally about carburetors and that's stupid. Uh, the other one though like was a ballad about this guy named eddie that had nothing to do with the movie and that was pretty decent i think it's just they're both so different from the rest of the music that i just like why i don't care yeah i agree man the juicy fruits were a weird fucking thing (laughs) yeah yeah I mean, the great name, though, honestly. Yes. <laughs> so stu- it, it so is so stupid, but I'm like, yep, that would be a Beach Boys follow-up. Yeah, like, so, like, they were, like, a mixture of, like, a beach band and a, a Grease band. I don't know. Yeah. That, yeah. That, I don't know what they were really trying to do. Weird-ass shit. Well, let's move on to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, my God. Less, please. But first... Maybe we should get a soda pop. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's all I'm going to be doing. Totally. All of it. That's it. Hello. Hi. Are we back? We good? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk the Rookie Horror Picture Show. Let's just do. Oh, God, I love it so much. Yeah, I know. I, I feel like... Uh, us talking about it is not gonna, I mean, anybody who's listening to this is, I, I just feel like have seen it. Right. I, I really hope they have. I, I, if they if haven't, you-, you should. I mean, I guess it is a cult classic, so maybe you haven't, but it's like the top of the cult classic list. Literally. Right yeah. Here. Like it is the cult classic film. Like, I think, I think, cause I think many people would agree that it is the cult I, classic film. Well, you know, the fans, <laughs> they sure would shit would. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they literally have 
giant viewings of this where they'll fill stadiums of people, mm-hmm. just all of them decked out as Dr. Frankenfurter or other characters from the movie. Yes. Like, no joke, it's on my bucket list that I want to attend one of these viewings as Frankenfurter. Yeah. It's one of my like, sure. dreams. You know, when I went, okay, I, I said earlier that I went for my first time mm-hmm. that and that was the only time we were going to go the year after but something happened and we weren't able to go and then the next year like someone like might have been killed in the area i mean it was four wayne so <laughs> um, and and we were like okay maybe we don't need to do that right uh, but Jeez. we still watched it. Like they, it almost became a tradition to to watch it with this group of friends oh, yeah. every year. Anyhow, I, think- I went, and there was a lot of Eddies there, and I wore a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Because I had no idea. That's hilarious. See, because yeah, Eddie is uh, played by Meatloaf, right? That right. is Meatloaf's character, yes. right? Yeah, I fucking love him. He's great in this. It, it, we'll, we'll get to him because I want to talk a lot of the characters, but there's just it, it's always been one of my dreams just to go to the one of those viewings to just be one with everybody because it's yeah. it's so it's got to be a great experience. It just there's has a, to be. There's a whole list of participation requirements, right? Not, <laughs> not like okay. I I mean, it's suggested they're not gonna they're not gonna throw you out throw you out yeah like because obviously it has to be somebody's first time doing it there but like there's just this whole like throwing stale bread there's rice at for the wedding um i would like to be the person who works there right yelling boring during the the commentator scenes the yes. narrator scenes yes uh, i love uh, it call who is uh, calling brad an asshole i think is is also it and nice. I think also you call Janet a, a whore, if I'm not mistaken. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if you're going to call one, you got to call the other She's my favorite something. character. Susan Sarandon, everybody. Oh, my God. Just fucking You didn't queen. pause for the applause. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, sorry. <laughs> no, she is amazing uh, as Janet she Weiss. Is Janet Weiss. So and then we got Barry Bost. Bostwick as Brad Majors. <laughs> These are our, our our main characters. Our heroes. Our heroes. <laughs> they they get a flat. They just newly engaged and they get a flat on a stormy night. Yep. And the they only just... thing they can find is Dr. Frankenfurter's <laughs> castle. <laughs> and when they get there they find a wild party, already a mad swing. <laughs> That is right. Uh, they are lit in by handyman Riff Raff, played by Richard O'Brien, who is the, also the writer. Yeah. Co-written with uh, Jim Sharman, the director. And yeah. it's just, what a beautiful thing you created that I will cherish forever. Forever. For real. <clears throat> like, as you said, you've it's been a, become a tradition for you to watch it with a, you know, a group of people. I think I've literally seen this every year for the past 20 years. Like <laughs> that's fair. Wow, you were introduced to it young. Wow. Yeah, I was. Well, I think it was one of those that I like snuck. I don't oh, know right. if my parents actually knew that I watched this. I might have just like watched it quietly somewhere. But yeah, it's it's been one of my favorite movies for so fucking long. 
Like, it, it, God, this is easily probably the 20th, the 25th time I've watched this movie. And never has it felt stale. Every no. single year. No, never. Yeah, like, as you mentioned, you've already mentioned Janet and you've already mentioned Brad. They are very fun characters to talk about. But we don't want to spend too much time just talking about characters, so let's uh, let's go into other important characters. Well, let's let's talk first. Riff Raff and Magenta, I believe yes, her name is. Yes, they. Yeah. Uh, she is billed as Magenta, a domestic. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> they they all have like all of their billings have their role. So right. Riff Raff, a handyman, uh, and then. Uh, I, should we throw Columbia in there while we talk about them? Yes, uh, yes, let's go ahead. Columbia, Columbia is a groupie, played <laughs> by Little Nell, uh, Nell Campbell. And who and plays Magenta? Magenta is Patricia Quinn. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, they are, all together, they are a lot of fun. It took probably five viewings for me to be okay with Columbia's voice. <laughs> it's it's a it's a beautiful voice, and I, like, I recognized it when I was young that I, I, it was a good voice, but... It graded on me as a kid. Like yes. I was just like, ah. It is a character for sure. 100%. Yeah. I, I would say I felt the same way. But that last <laughs> scene after they get dim, dim, medusified. Yeah. And they're singing cabaret. I I like it in that bit a lot. I, I, I yeah, like that her. particular bit. Where her nip slips constantly <laughs> happening all the time. That's not why I like it. <laughs> i oh, think it, like just this movie man the it's the ensemble it is about the ensemble yeah everybody works right and, but of course everyone's eye is drawn to tim curry oh man as frankie for the, yeah. the sweet transvestite from transylvania goddamn you got, queen you gotta love him yep Fucking just, this is his first <laughs> film role, too. Way back in 1975, I mean, Curry was doing, you know, I don't know if he was Broadway, but he was definitely doing theater stuff before this. And this is his first film role, and he went this hard. Yeah, like, this is geez. an all-out character. Like well, f- they, they did it on stage first, right? Yeah, yeah, I believe they did. I just don't know if it was Broadway. Uh, I'm sure if they got a movie adaptation... Right, so you would think. Maybe it was personal money that went into yeah. it. <laughs> it really does feel like there's not much uh, influence from outside. Right. It, it feels like it was an all-artist idea image. Just everything that uh, Richard O'Brien wanted. One thing that I know is different from the stage version to the uh, movie version is Meat Loaf's involvement. Because mm-hmm. on stage, he played Eddie... And Dr. Von Scott. Uh, Scotty, where are you? <laughs> Dr. Everett V. Scott, a rival scientist. Scott, who is most certainly not a Nazi. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but, you know, hey, it, it, it was. It is a reflection of some, some stuff that actually happened. Like, you know, we mm. took their scientists who were not necessarily nazis they were just forced to do science for the nazis right and do you remember we used them as our scientists because they were brilliant right 
Do you remember uh, Doctor Strangelove or How I Learned to Love yes. the Bomb? Yes. <laughs> it has a lot of those moments in this where it's like that one character who's like trying to hide his German heritage. Yes. <laughs> yes. Definitely a lot of that. Um, That's so good. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of moments where he's just like, Janet Weiss. 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 <laughs> <laughs> like even – he must have done that a lot because – even Brad calls her Janet Vice, and, and Scotty was right. their high school teacher. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, and I do love uh, Meatloaf's performance. I love his involvement in this. Right. Eddie is a very it, one of my favorite songs is "Hot Patootie." It was sung by Meatloaf in that in the movie. It is a fun. And one. I remembered seeing an interview. It was a, it was an interview of an older Meatloaf talking about when he was first in that in that movie and he said he was so out of place he was not around uh, the theater scene he didn't really have much involvement in the lgbtq community or with right. drag queens or any of that and he thought it was a, a big joke he thought people were making fun of him at times and he was getting yeah. so furious trying to perform this because he was just not jiving with the attitude of everybody and i can't remember if it was tim curry or somebody but like somebody talked to him and was just like you're the one who has to sing this song because nobody else can hit these notes like you can. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and it was just, it was, that, it was that little spur of confidence in his singing where it was just like, you're the one who can hit these things and make this happen the way we want it to happen on screen. So you, you, you just have to, you know, come back and do it and get, and get involved. And I can't remember for the life of me who told him that, but like, thank you for doing that because Hot Petunias. Right. Easily right. one of the best songs in, that, in the whole movie. Yeah, if I so recall, good. I watched something an an interview about it as well. It could have been the same one. He like first time that he saw Tim in Frankenfurter's costume, he left because he would yep. he he one hundred percent thought it was a joke on him. Yeah, uh, and, and he he grew up very religiously, and his dad was like not about that. At all, mm -hmm. that's all what I remember from that interview. But this, this really uh, being involved with this did open Meatloaf's eyes to that kind of stuff. Thank God it did. Yeah, true. Tim Curry is like Doctor Frankenfurter is one of my iconic characters. Easily a great role model in my life. I fucking love Frankenfurter. Again, someday I will have the body confidence where I will attend a viewing as Frankenfurter. That is like bucket list goal right there i will be there with you hell yeah uh, as meatloaf um, <laughs> <laughs> not you eddie don't have to be. as meatloaf you don't have to be eddie <laughs> yeah, you don't have to you, you don't have to be eddie i think you could also pull off everett scott uh, yeah sure yeah i a bearded I, brad a beard a bearded brad i was thinking maybe rocky but you know that was after I have enough body confidence to play Rocky, That's fair. a bearded yeah. Rocky though, because at the that Adonis time God. I I imagine that the hair on top of my head would be gone, and <laughs> so you could wear a wig. <laughs> no, I like I I could wear a wig if we want to go like you know the way the film looks, or right. I could just shave everything off and be Rocky as if he were imitating an Oscar statue. There you go. I like yeah. that. I like that a lot. <laughs> now, Rocky is also, I believe, played by Peter Henwood. That's right. And uh, Trevor White was the singer for, for Rocky's, oh, okay. I think, one or two songs. Uh, yeah. I do like their songs. Yeah. But 
I don't know if we mentioned that Jonathan Adams plays Dr. Everett Van Scott. Charles Gray's the narrator, right? That's right. Uh, he is. Yeah. It, it billed Love as him. the criminologist. An expert. Criminologist, yes. <laughs> yeah, because he's explaining everything that happened. Yeah, the whole movie is great. All the all the songs are memorable. Like, there's a couple, like that first song at the uh, castle. I do sometimes misplace that with the other bops, but it's so good. And also the ending song sometimes can escape my mind, but it's a great ending. That... That, as well. Is it, though? That whole third act is where I drop off a bit with the movie. Oh, really? That's, that's the only part where I drop off a bit, because it, it's still great, and I love the, the songs that happen at the end, because yeah. I think there's like two or three. I can't remember how many there it's are. It's a big finale, um, man. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is a very over-the-top and absurd and wild finale, and I, I enjoy it, but it's it just doesn't deliver everything bef- what what everything before it had set up you know it, it doesn't it right. kind of just it's it's one of those endings that it's not as satisfying as i wanted it to be and there's also a, a, a thing that happens at the end that i'm i'm not at all a fan of i don't like it oh you don't like but, that part of the ending okay but i love i'm coming home that's yeah, so that, good oh, that's a beautiful song and that's why I don't like what happens because he he sings that song. He's not going home, not in the way he wants to. When I said we, I did not mean you. <laughs> <laughs> Richard O'Brien is. Oh, his voice is so good as riffraff. <laughs> that was a good impersonation. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, I love even when he sings too because he has a a, a bit of a. He has a piece of a song in, uh, what is it? The, it was the song I was just singing during our break when we were, when we were oh, getting soda fuck. pops. I forget. Um, light at the Frankenstein place. Oh, yeah. Yes. There's a light. Yeah. yeah. Riff Raff has a small little bridge moment in there. And, oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah. He's just singing, yeah, that's, singing that's out a window. That's the I was talking about. Like, I love that part so much, but I do forget its lyrics over the bops you know right over all the other songs the time warp and everything else the sweet transvestite right i don't know i feel like people know this movie right and i think we talked enough about the plot maybe okay maybe we didn't (laughs) so if you have not watched this movie brad and janet they have a flat they end up at the frankenstein place and there's a big party. We mentioned all this already. And they're like, kind of like forced into this weird, like Stockholm syndrome <laughs> hospitality thing going on. <laughs> and, uh, Dr. Frankenfurter really starts to tear at their relationship. And at, meanwhile, he's pissing off his staff. And that's the plot. And he makes a man named Rocky. Yeah, he creates a, a golden Adonis. Yes. That is the plot of the movie. Also, Columbia's there. <laughs> She's just there. No, there's that, a bit there, of like, there's a good there's plot a, between her and, and Eddie, too. Yeah, and, and I feel like a lot of that I still haven't actually pieced together. Because it's, it's not, right. you know, it's all in song. A lot of it's in song, at least. And most of the time, I'm spending too much time enjoying the song. And enjoying it, like how it's making right. me feel, and, and and enjoying the the performances that are on screen, that I kind of miss out on some of the plot elements. You know, okay. like her and Eddie. Like right. I know, I it's like I know what's going on, 
but I haven't like fully actually pieced together why Eddie's even there, like okay. what happened with him. Well, I I can give you what I think I know. <laughs> yes. So uh, Eddie was a delivery boy, and he came to deliver. I don't know, whatever, maybe pizza. I don't remember the song well enough. And he gets enraptured with Frankenfurter, and they become a fling thing. And then, because Frankenfurter feels like he can have as many flings as he wants, but he's also very jealous. Uh, I don't know if Columbia was there first or came after, but anyways, they were both his fling thing. And they started hooking up together, and their relationship was stronger. And Frank didn't like that. And that's why what happened happened. Right. Yeah, it's like most of that I feel like I, I pieced, but like there there's a little elements in there that you, you have filled in for me. So thank okay. you. Okay. There you go. Yeah, because uh, there's a lot of that about this movie. There's a lot of like small little plot elements that I just miss because I'm having too much fun enjoying the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good movie. Which is, not, which is not a problem. And one thing I wanted to say, one, one thing I wanted to place a this film above the other one we talked about today is how they sync up lips with the song. So Phantom yeah. of the Paradise had many moments where a character would be singing, but it didn't look like the character that we were seeing on camera was quite matching the lyrics. Right, right. That is a, uh, I feel like the a problem of the era though. And I know this yeah. is a though this is a year afterwards, so exactly they did it a lot better. It's one year later, and everything looks. Perfect. Uh, even even the fucking time warp and then sweet transvestite scene. Like that would be the one scene where I feel like there would be a lot of trouble right. to sync lips with with a song. But nope, looks great. It looks just yes. it's so fun. And maybe the version we're watching is a remastered version. Maybe because it, it has a lot more popularity than the other film. And if I mm-hmm. can lead into closing statements, I will say. Face and a half film. I don't know how it couldn't be. I love this movie. Right. There, yeah. There's no... that You wouldn't... If you didn't feel this way about a movie, you wouldn't watch it year after year. Exactly. Intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, it's easily my words right there. I have written down, I can't watch a movie every single year for 20 years straight and not give it four stars. Yeah. It's a four star film. Even if I don't like the, the third act as much as I like the first two acts, I still like the third act. Right. It's still really fun, great music. And it's just it, it's just not what I wanted. Right. Still delivers. So I will say then that it's pretty obvious who wins the genre SmackDown. Yeah, uh, sorry, it, fans. But it, I think they were it, it, they're a pretty heavy hitter. They're a fan favorite. So maybe it wasn't fair, but... Maybe this is the purpose of of making this episode. Go check out Phantom of the Paradise. It is worth watching 100%. It is so weird. Somebody made this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Not just somebody. Brian De Palma, man. Yes, yes. Like, it still just rocks me. Like, how did I not? I haven't heard of any of it. Like, I was looking up, uh, I was looking up his filmography and it was like, he's known for these cult classic films and I hadn't heard of any of them. 
Right. And I was like, I only, I only know that I'm a, you know, I'm a blockbuster bitch. I only know his fucking blockbusters. Like, right. oh my god. But well, I, I agree with you. Go check it out. Yeah, please do. It also, I wanted to tell you that it was recommended to me by one of our really dear friends. I won't mention their name, but they we were just at work, and they're like, "Yeah, I think you guys should talk about this." And I was like, "That's perfect," because Rocky yeah. Horror Picture Show. It's yeah, if we if we had <laughs> if we had found another cult classic horror comedy musical to pair it against, it would have had a very good fighting chance. I think so. Yes, if if a third exists, I mean, well, I mean, Little Shop of Horrors to an extent oh, yeah, has you some. Know what? I think I would agree that 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 glows right in there. And and I, I feel like it, I've only seen Little Shop of Horrors a couple times, but I feel like if we would. Pa- Pitch this up against that up against Phantom of the uh, the Paradise. I keep wanting to say Phantom of the Opera. It's not. I know Phantom of the Paradise. <laughs> if, if we had pitched those two together, it would have been more of a uh, you know tip of the hat. You know, well it, maybe I don't know. I I have a affinity for awesome. that film too. That's fair. That's I think fair. this it would have be a good fight between this and Rocky Horror, but Rocky Horror would have probably won. Secret review of Little Shop, Shop of Horrors. Of Horrors. I'm all in it for Audrey, Audrey too. Oh yeah, them lips. Also, man. I love Audrey's song. Uh just the like her her weird voice leading into those pipe bursts. I mean, yep. fuck yeah. Anyhow, I think that's our show. It is. It is in our show. That's correct. And uh, who am I? I am the Green Traveler. <laughs> green Traveler. He's traveling right now. I am. The Faceless Leon. Thank you for listening. Safe travels. If you want to, check out our Patreon. <laughs> Greeting Faceless. Uh, no, that's not it. At patreon.com slash greetingfaceless. Safe travels. Good night. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of Fiction Works 19. If you like the show, please show your support by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Like follow, subscribe, wherever you might listen. We also now have a Patreon account. If you feel so inclined to support us in a financial manner, please become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash greenandfaceless. You can also find more information about us on our Facebook account or on the FictionWorks19 Instagram account. Thank you so much for listening.